Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Icarus Boreati with Shane Jones. What is up, Inquirers, and welcome to the expanse of deep, open-minded conversation that is Inquiries of Our Reality. I'm your host, Shane Jones, inviting you to join me for today's fascinating discussion, ushering in this time of year by diving into some holiday folklore creatures, which, unlike a mouse, are definitely stirring about. And of course, in hopes of keeping folklore alive, we also touch base on a few other lesser-known beings. But before we get into this awesome conversation today, got some news and updates and, of course, the front of house stuff. So uh, as far as news and updates go, uh, the Open Minds Media merch store is doing a Christmas holiday sale, and the uh, you'll get 10% off by using the code SQUATCHMAS uh, now through the end of December. Uh, if anybody wants to go and check that out on social media, if you're unsure on how to spell that, there will be some posts going out about that, but uh, go and pick yourself up something nice. And I should also be including a holiday Sasquatch design, so make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that. And uh, also still taking in questions for Bizarre Inquiries, if anybody wants to throw in their ideas into the mix, uh, that is going to be a Patreon-exclusive show that Orn and I are doing, where we take a question and openly discuss it for about 10-15 minutes. It can be something serious, it can be something funny that we can dive into, but of course, if we pick your question, we will give you guys a big shout out in the show. And the first episode or two will probably be available on the regular feeds, maybe even up on YouTube. But then past that, it'll be a Patreon exclusive. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, go and make sure you guys become Patreon members and and support a podcaster. And uh, moving into the front of house stuff, if you're not already following the show on social media, highly recommend that you do. I am the most active on Instagram, but I also am on Facebook, of course. Uh, don't forget to go and follow on YouTube and TikTok if you want to get any of the video content I'm putting out, uh, mainly clips of the show, different things like that. But there is a lot of different other things in the works. Uh, we might even be starting to include maybe even like half the show for Bizarre Inquiries. We'll figure it out as time moves on. And uh, you guys can also go and pop into the Discord if you guys want to have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals. Always expanding, but the only way it's going to keep expanding, of course, is with your guys' help. And uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show or you're interested in having me as a guest on your show, 
or if you're interested in sponsoring the show in some way, shape, or form, uh, get a hold of me. You guys can do so through social media. Like I said, Instagram is the one I'm the most active on. Or you guys can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Make sure you guys check your spam or junk folders. Make sure that uh, nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that I get from you guys. And if anybody wants to report an encounter, I do have a specific email set up for that. It is OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. Or you guys can also go to the link tree for that one. There is a submission form specifically for that. And uh, we can have some back and forth on it, but maybe it can be something that I talk about in the show or something might get included in one of the encounter report books that I want to work on. Or if you just guys just want to share me share an encounter with me and not have it go past that, that's totally okay with me too. But we'll have some back and forth, figure out exactly what you want to do with your encounter. Or if you're close enough to me, I can even come and investigate it depending on what the type of encounter was. And uh, if you guys can't get enough of the content I put out, don't forget to go and check out Bizarre Encounters. I talk about it every single show, but it's a lot of fun over there. Orin and I, uh, we deep dive into a variety of different topics, all pertaining to the paranormal, cryptids, UFOs, all the fun stuff, of course. And we do have some interviews and some encounter reports all in the mix. So it's definitely a fun, fun show. I enjoy recording it, so I think you guys will definitely enjoy listening to it. And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything that I do all in one place, don't forget to go and follow Open Minds Media across social media. Uh, the YouTube, the TikTok, the Discord, all that is under Open Minds Media. A little bit easier for me to put everything all in one place. So if you guys see Open Minds Media, of course, that's me. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can become a Patreon member. Over there, you'll get things such as ad-free episodes of the show, early access to the show, lives of the show, live replays of the show, uh, exclusive merch store discounts, exclusive giveaways, and there will be obviously the Patreon exclusive content such as Bizarre Inquiries. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Always happy to take suggestions if there's more things that you guys would like to see as far as the Patreon goes, but go and become a member, of course, and support a podcast all in one swift move. And if you guys want to donate to the show directly to make it so I can get out to more conventions and be able to meet more of you guys, you guys can do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate, make sure you guys let me know that you guys donated if it doesn't give you some type of option for a personalized message so that I can give you guys a shout out and give appreciation where appreciations do, as I always say. And the third way you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media Merch Store. Always expanding with new designs over there. There is... There should hopefully be, if it's not already up, some new designs that are going to dropping for Bizarre Encounters and Inquiries of All Reality on top of the uh, Squatch Mist design. And soon enough, as soon as uh, Bizarre Inquiries gets up and rolling, there will be the Bizarre Inquiries logo design available over there too. And if you guys pick up something from the Open Minds Media merch store, don't forget to use that promo code SQUATCHMISS, or you guys can become Patreon members, get some even bigger exclusive merch store discounts. Highly recommend, of course, doing both. And uh, number four, you guys can support the show through word of mouth or by leaving a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a five-star review, I will read on the show and give you guys a big shout out, of course. And uh, while we're talking about supporting creators, don't forget to go and check out Joe at Crypto Theology, always expanding with his awesome cryptid-related merch designs. I know for Christmas, he's got a bunch of different uh, Christmas and holiday designs up. So definitely go and pick yourself up some awesome shirts to be able to wear at your family functions that you guys are going to be going to this holiday. 
and to all of my paranormal investigators out there. Don't forget to go and check out the Chattergeist. I do have an affiliate link for that, but I still highly recommend it regardless. It's one of my favorite paranormal investigating devices that I've used so far, and uh, it's created by Dimension Devices. So if you guys have any questions about the device whatsoever, go and hit up Barry over there on Instagram with uh, Dimension Devices, and he is the programmer for the Chattergeist, so he can answer literally any possible questions that you guys would have on it. And of course, like I said, don't forget to go and use my affiliate link if you want to scoop one up for yourself. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, author and researcher Gregory Fedora. How is it going today, man? Good, man. So good. It's good to see you again. I, we saw each other at the Cryptid Halloween. That's where we met, I believe. Yes, sir. So it's good seeing you again. Yes, sir. It is. Hey, uh, uh, shout out to Dave for throwing that whole event. I ended up uh, court like meeting up with a lot of new people. You're one of the awesome new people that I happened to meet there. Just happened to be walking past your booth, and I saw your books, and I saw your uh, wood etching stuff, and I was like, all right, cool. So then we started having a conversation, started talking about folklore, and quickly turned into, we should do an episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad you uh, are having me on. I'm excited. I love coming on. I mean, I do my own podcast, but I like going on others because I, it's fun just to talk to anyone, and it when I go on someone else's podcast, I don't have to think so much about <laughs> what I'm going to ask. And so it's fun going on. Like you're, you're, you are actually only the second podcast I've been on as a guest. So, Oh, that's awesome. I like being one of the first that has people on because then it's, you know, not like the normal poll that somebody's been on everybody's show because what I usually do is I'll try to like, even if I do find people that have been on other shows, I'll try to find stuff that they haven't already talked about. So it's not the same interview as anybody yeah. else. But knowing that you haven't really been on too many other shows just makes it that much easier because I don't have to worry about, oh, where they talk about this yeah, on this exactly. show or this? <laughs> I haven't talked about anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess a good spot to start. Um, I definitely want to get into your books and everything, but I wasn't actually uh, aware of too much into your podcast. So maybe that's a good spot to start. And then we can get into your uh, books and research after that. But just to start, let everybody know a little bit about your podcast. They can come check it out. Yeah. It's a, like my podcast, it's kind of similar to yours in a way. Like I, I get into like the monsters as well as folklore and history and those stories. But then I, I every now and then I go off on a, uh, discovery or cause I, I like to just talk to people about things they're really into. So I've been to a lot of distilleries and breweries and meteries because one, I'm, I've always been fascinated with making those kind of things. And one, I don't have the time patience, and I know I'd screwed up. So meeting people that know how to do those things. I, I love talking to them, find out how they got into it. Like, how'd you get into making moonshine? Like where like, and some of them are like, it's a family thing that, been passed down that used to be they did hidden and now they they do it because you can now sell it legally but uh don't they have like, to dumb so, down the potency a little bit though because yeah, the back in the day stuff yeah, make yeah, you yeah, go yeah. blind <laughs> yeah yeah the back in the day stuff could kill you now that now it's like it's there, there's regulations and they but like so my, my show kind of goes from you know all different directions like i said like monsters folklore different things to someone who uh I had a, someone on who uh, did uh, artwork, and we talked about how they got into art. I mean, they did have a slant of they like doing monster art, but also just they did really all kinds of art. And I just like someone I find different people. I also had a guy who was a combat artist for the Marine Corps, 
And I brought him on because I was just to my mind in my mind, I was like a Marine who goes into battle and then paints pictures of what happened. It, to me, I was like, that's fascinating. I go, oh, yeah. how do you even think to do that? And why do you do that? <laughs> it's like, that's kind of, that's kind of to me. And he was amazing. Like, but like, so different, I, I just like meeting different people doing unique things. And, you know, to me, they're like the, the cryptids of the human race. Cause they're doing something that, you know, you don't really think about. No, that's super cool. It's uh, it sounds like it's somewhat along the lines of my show. You just have a little bit more variety as far as different types of people like that soldier, for example, like, I wonder if people do stuff like that and it kind of helps with like PTSD to like get the image out of their head. Like, I wonder if that's kind of yeah, how we yeah. ended up starting doing it was rather than just seeing this image always in your head, you get it out on paper and then you can kind of just push it away and forget about it kind of a thing. Like it might, it might mentally help people with that kind of trauma. Yeah, it probably does. Like I, I didn't even think I should have asked him that. That's the, I didn't even ask him that. I got into like, we got into like art and art history. It was really funny where it went and then we got into the marine corps history and it was like and then how it all came together and i was like but yeah i didn't even ask if that helped with ptsd it probably does like because there's all I mean, those kind of things are and it's important to help with those kind of things that's it's like they they deserve some help there yeah it's it's, it's a yeah. muse a means of getting it out i feel like that's half the battle is some people just aren't talkers where a lot of people will talk to get it out but if somebody physically gets the image out of their head out it's a whole different version of therapy mm-hmm Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think also like my podcast is kind of in a way a therapy for myself. Not that I have PTSD or anything, but like just the run of the mill life going on and talking to other people. And because it kind of like mine spawned kind of in the middle of the pandemic where we were all kind of shutting down and not hanging out. And I've always been very extroverted. So that the whole not being able to go out and hang out with people was very on me just like, Oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Like I, I was like, in my mind, I was like, I'm willing to maybe get this disease if I can just go hang out with somebody. <laughs> like, I, like I was, I, I was at, that was my mentality. I was like, whatever it takes to get me out, like I'm ready. But like, so then I started doing the podcast just really to talk to people. And it was like, and, and it was a lot it, turned into a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed doing it and kind of sounds like a kind of similar for a lot of podcasters that it's almost like, I don't want to necessarily say therapy, but it kind of gives you that fill for like deep conversation that you may not normally have in your everyday life. And you really like take the time to really listen to somebody when you're like on screen on screen and you're not distracted by phones and other things. So like, at least for me, I'm like, I'm kind of a weird mix. I'm partly an introvert. I'm partly an extrovert. Like if I'm around the right Mm -hmm. people, then you can't get me to stop talking. But in my normal everyday life, I'm more the quiet guy that just wears headphones doesn't really want to talk to anybody but like at least for doing like a podcast going out to like conventions like where we met and everything uh it it's like being around my people it lets me feel like i can actually like be myself and actually talk about the things i want to talk about because you can't just typically go up to most people and say like oh yeah so what do you think about sasquatch but you go to a convention you talk on a podcast and that's that's a normal question you can ask people things like that and nobody's judging you for who you are based on it like at least for me i feel like my podcast is the number one place where I can be myself more so than like anywhere else. So like that's therapy oh, yeah. in, in that sense for me. Yeah. Cause nobody, nobody's going to judge you when you're like, you know, doing your thing. And then, whereas like you said, if you're just at a grocery store and saw someone, Hey, yeah. So, uh, what do, what are your thoughts on the Jersey devil? And like, you know, they're like, what? <laughs> I feel like what <laughs> the hell is like, the Jersey I'm, devil? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's this, this monster, this lady didn't want to have kids anymore. And she's, 
cursed it and it turned into a monster. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, there's a lot, that, but that's, that's for a different day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. say, I'd love to dig into some of the folklore with you as far as like your books and everything go. Yeah. I know if there's one thing in particular that we wanted to start with, but at least for uh, before we start rolling into that, uh, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about your, your research and your books? So if anybody might be interested in them, they can come and check them out also before we start diving into what exactly is yeah. in the books. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, um, they're, it's, they're called the... Uh, like I have uh, a regular series, I'll just hold them up, but they're called the Happy Little Monster series. And I got three volumes right now. The fourth is coming out at the beginning of next year. And it's basically just folklore, mythical monsters, cryptids. So I, I kind of put them all together. Like I know like like some people don't want to do that. They want just strictly cryptids or myth. But I kind of put them all together because uh, I just think, especially with mythology and folklore monsters, which we may not believe exist at all, but at some point somebody saw something and believed something. And I feel it's the same way, like with Bigfoot, somebody experienced something and, uh, they, it was Bigfoot, but then you have these people who said they saw dragons and, um, I don't know what they saw, but you know, it was part of their folklore, their story, and so somebody experienced something. So I kind of put everything together as I find them. And, cause I, and I try – actually, my books, I kind of stay away from Bigfoot and Loch Ness just because I felt they, they, have a, they have really good PR. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Everybody's awesome. talking about them. They, got, they just got – like everybody's hunting for them. And it's like I, I figured they probably are like, just leave us alone already. There's so many books on us. So I, I went for the – not necessarily the lesser known, but like ones that don't seem to get the play that they get. So like the Snallygaster, Dwayo, even like that, even, you know, Jersey Devil doesn't really get as much play as you would think I, in Jersey, he, you know, he does. But like if you go somewhere else and talk about the Jersey Devil, a lot of times people think you're talking about, I think it's the hockey team. That's what I was going to say. I think it's funny that the hockey team is literally named the Jersey Devils. But outside of Jersey, most people don't even realize that that's that's a cryptid that that team is named after. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't realize that. And so like I, I have, I put, I wrote it down and, and my books aren't really, I don't want to like sell them as an exhaustive effort. Like, uh, you know, each monster I give about two pages. And because my thought was I, it, there's artwork and I did all the art on it and like, I can kind of, I can kind of show you the artwork, but it's like basically like here's old greeny from New York. Uh, but I, I did the artwork on it. I do a size comparison and then I made a little postcard of where he supposedly lives. And then I kind of write a brief paragraph or so on each one. And my thought was, as you read it, if you want to find out more, go, go, go search it and go look it up. Don't necessarily take everything I say as this is all there is about it. No, cause it's, it's kind of like the highlights. I don't know. Like kind of like, I, I kind of like the cliff notes. Spark uh, people's interest in it so they can go and research. Give give them the basics yeah, so yeah, if they have never heard about like, it. I'm giving you the basics and you're like, okay, so this monster was in New York. So then you can like go on Google and start finding, all right, Google, Old Greeny, New York. Here's where he's supposed to. And then, I mean, there's a ton on them. Like if you want to start going, there's even a whole website dedicated to them. But uh, uh, so like each monster, I kind of did that. And uh, just because I was like, you know, I one, I – my personality, I kind of make them fun too. I, I like 
there's jokes in there about the different monsters. Like I kind of threw it in there. Good old dry dad jokes. Cause if so, I love it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. There's some dad jokes in there, but then there's just like, you know, just straight up. Like I I said something about, uh, I think I'm one of them about what it like to eat because why wouldn't it? And, um, you know, like the, you know, like it's like something it liked, it likes to eat people or something. I'm like, well, of course it's got, it's a monster. Why wouldn't it, (laughs) you know? So, so I kind of like say, and I called them happy monsters because it started with, I, I did, I have a YouTube channel and I was doing little videos about each monster and I called it a happy little monster, kind of making fun of the Bob Ross thing, like a happy little tree. Yep. So like in every forest, there's a happy little tree. So then I was like, in every forest, there's a happy little monster. And, and that's where I went with it. And then as my oldest son kind of told me, he's like, dad, your videos are great and all. He goes, but you should make like, he goes, cause you spend time. I, I was making all the artwork for it. And he's like, why don't you write it down and make books out of them? Cause you know, like he goes, they're fun little stories, what you're already talking about do it and i was like okay i'll do it so i started doing it and the reason that's why i was able to have so many is like i just started draw making the creatures researching them and then my wife got on me because at one like the reason i was able to get three out so fast in a, like a year and then i got the fourth coming was because i just started doing it like researching writing drawing uh doing photoshop and then she looked at me and she's like you do realize if you publish all of these right now, the way you're going, you're going to have like a 200 page, 300 page book. And it's going to be like a $90 book. And <laughs> she goes, nobody's going to want to buy a $90 book. I was like, Oh yeah. She goes, why don't you do it? And so it's, you can thank her that they're now in volumes and you can like just buy volume one, two, three ads. And I, and I like that. I try to keep them inexpensive. They're like 15, 16 bucks on Amazon. So I try to keep them so that people could go buy them because in my mind, because I have kids, I was thinking, okay, my kids are willing to spend $20 on a book. So if I keep it under 20, I I was thinking kids will want to buy it. And because like when I was young, we didn't have books that had this kind of, for me, I was also thinking what I would want when I was young and like when I was young, there's a few Bigfoot books, but it's usually Bigfoot, Loch Ness, and UFOs all in one book. And you'd have to go to the library and find it. And, you know, there'd be like two or three in the library. And that was it. Like it's changed a lot, obviously, with like the internet and stuff. But that's what you would have. And, and then it was, there's very little pictures, is in which I'm a very visual person. So it's like, like one or two pictures and then a lot of just words. And as I was like, you can't talk about bizarre phenomenon no without pictures. Yeah, well, you want you want a yeah, visual, like, especially see, of creatures. Yeah, I like, yeah, like I want to see what does it look like, and so that so that's why I really did. I I delve into what people said it looked like, and then I recreated it as best as I could, and and I tried to make it like photorealistic, like the so it wasn't so much like, you know, like a lot of times when you see a drawing of it, they they almost look too cutesy for me, like they're like oh. And here's the Jersey level, and he looks like you could go hug him. And I was like, well, <laughs> no. I, so I tried to make it look like, okay, if you saw this in the woods, you would not want to go hug it. You'd be like, I got to get out of here. And so I kind of went that route with it. And 
so I mean, I've been having fun with it, and I, and I I'm hoping to keep going because every day, like I just found another monster today before we came on, and it's from Trinidad. I don't really know how to s- pronounce it yet. I got to figure it out, but it's basically a, and it comes from African folklore, but it's I think it's Anna and a nasi or something like that but it's basically a spider thing and it uh it's got the head of a man and spider body but then at the ends of its like legs it has hands like people people hands and so people in trinidad actually claim they see these handprints in the sand and stuff of this ananasi or ananasi or something like that and and it's supposedly if you find come across its footprints it's not a good thing so that probably means it's somewhere nearby yeah 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 exactly and you should probably leave and <laughs> get out of trinidad and tobago like as quick as possible like so i was like all right like and i i just find and i also say i find the stories cool and for me it's also kind of like i don't want the stories to disappear and because over time we kind of lose like these things, I feel it's kind of part of our human condition and who we are. These stories from our ancestors, these folklores and these are like and like they they saw things, didn't know necessarily describe them and talked about them. And then over time, we just sort of forget about it and we're busy looking at our phones or TV and like, you know, these things are gone. I mean, I was even talking about the other day with somebody like there's so many like these folklore monsters that somebody could make horror films for hundreds of years. It's an untapped market. Yeah, it it really is. Like there's some the hide behind all these things would make amazing, scary movies. And if you just went and used like, but nobody is, they're like, they're kind of staying with what they've been doing and not that nothing against those because I love those kind of horror movies, but it's like. How many more times are we going to see Jason or Freddy Krueger rebooted or even, you know, Leatherface or Michael Myers? It's like, okay, yeah, we get it. Like, that's scary. But, man, there's all these other things out there that people were afraid of. And we've kind of let them kind of vanish. And you could probably turn it. Like, I don't think there's even really been a scary Jersey Devil movie. Ever. Mm-hmm. It's like There's a handful of Sasquatch ones, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bigfoot. He's always getting all the movie roles too. <laughs> I think he even fought the uh, what the um, six million dollar man. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I saw an episode. Like, I, I I don't I'm not that old to have seen it, but I, I saw like I think it was on YouTube. Someone put up a clip of the six million dollar man fighting Sasquatch. He got his own TV like, show That's too. Incredible. Do you remember uh, yeah. Bigfoot and Wild Boy? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of those forgotten shows too. <laughs> and then, and then you got the guys who are always trying to catch them, and uh, those dudes who make the traps that never seem to work. And I can't remember the name of the show. Like I know, I know there's Finding Bigfoot, and then there's another one, but I don't want to get into Bigfoot because then I have so many questions. Like I really want to meet a, like a legit Bigfoot researcher, and and I have so many questions to ask them. Because every time I see a TV show, they're always like, well, as everybody knows, Bigfoot likes blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how does everybody know this? (laughs) And if you know that, how come you haven't caught him? Because if he loves pizza and beer, just put it in the woods. He's going to show up. 
or your uncle Bob. Yeah, I'll say, I think you'll catch a man with that first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll, they'll catch me like, you're not Bigfoot. Yeah, but you left beer and pizza in the woods. What did you expect? You just got to show up in a ghillie suit and hope that they don't have a trank dart. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, exactly. I have a ghillie suit, that, uh, but that's for a whole different reason. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I collect these stupid things. As far as the movies go, I think it's a mix of like, so when they originally are creating a movie, they are almost scared to use something that's existing folklore because they think they're going to get ridiculed if they don't leave it to the exact storyline. So they start creating all their own creatures and, you know, monsters. And after they've done that for a while and now they're rebooting them, now they're having that issue with those though, because it's like the most recent Halloween's everybody's like, why is he displaying the bodies? Like he never did that in the past. He was just stab him and be done with it. And then they change like Leatherface and the newest movie and stuff too. So it's like their, their fear of what I think that they were the most scared of with producing cryptid based movies was people just checking into the original folklore of it. But now they've gotten to a point where the folklore for these monsters they've created is established. And now people are getting mad when they deter away from that. So just dive into the untapped market. We've seen enough Marvel movies. We've seen enough, superhero movies we're over it i want to see a cryptid series happen and then there was like big legend for example if you ever saw that movie it was a pretty good uh sasquatch movie it was done like 80s style horror where it was like practical effects and stuff and then at the end they made this thing that said coming soon monster chronicles and i looked it up and they never produced it because right after that was when the pandemic happened and i was like man untapped market they're literally gonna just dive into like a whole series of these people like hunting cryptids oh yeah definitely yeah, I, that would be so much fun. I think some if somebody did it, like I might end up doing it because I'll just be like, "That's it. I'm getting my camera out. Let's we're gonna make a bad movie about something." You got to make it where it's two podcasters that are trying to discover something and do it one of those like live oh. action style where it looks oh, like you're you holding go. the cameras. What, what you, exactly. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Let's go. We're gonna do it. <laughs> Let's just do it. Got to find a practical effects guy though, because if we're gonna do it that way, you got to do it super '80s horror style. And I don't have yeah, any love like, for CGI stuff. I like the '80s style yeah, of stuff. Like it was, oh yeah, it looked it, cheesy, like, but it was just better. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, it was like because it was there. It was like, and you know, I mean, it may have been, but it's fun. And, and as long as they know that they're gonna make it fun and funny and play into that cheesiness, people will love it. That it's like when they try and. When it's cheesy and they try and act like it's not cheesy, then then it get then it just falls apart. Got to do an evil like, killer clowns from uh, outer space or Evil Dead style, where you just fall into the silly yeah. goofiness with the one liners. You oh, got to yeah, do yeah. one liners. Oh yeah, and like just have Bruce Campbell show up and <laughs> at some point, and he probably would if you just said, "Hey, dude, we're trying to do this." He'd probably be willing to show up. He'll show up and play Sasquatch. <laughs> Oh, that'd be hilarious. But he won't actually ever be fully seen in the camera. He'll just be off in the background the whole movie. And we'll be hunting some other monster, but Sasquatch will just kind of be there in the distance because he's been in enough movies. But he needs to at least make an appearance. <laughs> yeah, he's in the background. And and we we say nothing about it as if we never see it. And then people are like, there was Bigfoot. What? They didn't. They're too busy searching for, you know, the, uh, I guess it'd be the sn- snarly owl. <laughs> that'd be perfect do like a six movie series and you don't even make reference to the bigfoot showing up in the background until like the last movie and, yeah and, and and then it's like hey did you see that nah i couldn't have been that <laughs> you don't even chase it it's but just we, like a i think i saw something no you didn't see nothing you're good <laughs> no there's no way everybody knows bigfoot doesn't show up in films and <laughs> 
just like go with that route of it and it'd be fun dude that would be perfect we should that, definitely look into doing something like that even if it's just something goofy we throw together over a weekend like it would still just be fun to do oh, yeah exactly yeah and you're up in michigan so you got the dog band we could just like you know like, get a cheesy werewolf mask yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then be like well we're and our goal is to spay and neuter them because you don't want extra dog men running around. <laughs> you know, we want to give them the Bob Barker. And, you know, it's for his own good. And so he does, you know, uh, that's fine. You know, I mean, I've neutered all my dogs, but I always, when I take them in, I told them it was for their own good. And they just looked at me like, you're an a-hole. <laughs> this isn't for my own good. What am I going to lick now? Running away. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, you just don't want me to knock up that poodle. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> so, uh, side note, kind of going into it. Cause I know that it's, uh, almost about Christmas time. Um, yeah. you said that you recently were working and actually just finished a Christmas folklore book. So I'd love to dive yeah. more into some of your local stuff after that. But first, of course, we got to touch base on some of the Christmas stuff you've dug up. Exactly. Like, so that's this one. It's called uh, The Creatures Are Stirring, a Creepy Christmas Collection. I like the name. And That's a really good name. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to give credit to my college roommate, Eric Morris, who when I told him I was going to do this, I was trying to come up with like a name for it because I didn't want it to be Happy Little Monsters Christmas Edition. And he goes, well, what about like, you know, in that uh, in the, you know, the night before Christmas, it says not a creature was stirring. And so then I was like, and he goes, so why don't you say the creatures are stirring? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. I love it. So that's like perfect that. title. Like I couldn't even think of a better title myself. Like I love that. Yeah. So, so I was like, dude, you like, I'm not going to give you anything for it, but now I'm giving him credit. That's about it. <laughs> nothing else. Cause he was a pain of a roommate, but we're still friends, but man, he was awful roommate. You sent him a copy of the book. That's that. There you go. You yeah, get you no, get a I copy. Did. I did send him a copy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't sign it, and I charged him for it. <laughs> but no, I didn't. I didn't charge. Him. That's wrong. But I didn't sign it. I signed but, it with uh, my left hand. Yeah, exactly. So you can't read it. But uh, ba basically, what it was is like, what got me into this. I mean, one, everyone knows Krampus, and so that that's like probably the most famous Christmas monster of all time, but. There's that uh, one song, um, I can't remember the song. It's a Christmas carol that people actually sing, and it it's, I think it's called "Is it the most wonderful time of the year?" And it and there's the line I'll even read it. It goes because I have it in the book. I, I said there will be parties for hosting, marshmallows toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There will be scary ghost stories and tales of glories of Christmases long, long ago, and like. I remember always singing that or like hearing that song and then just find him. He's like scary ghost stories at Christmas. And I was like, what? And then I was like, that's weird. And like, when that, and that was a long time ago. I thought that, but I never really put it in. And I was like, well, yeah, there's, you know, you know, a Christmas Carol and Scrooge and the three ghosts. And really the only scary one was the last one. But, I mean, it depends on the depiction, though. Sometimes the, the ghost of Christmas present does the scary thing yeah, at the end where he's, like, deteriorating oh, away, yeah, depending well, on the version, and yeah. he has the, uh, oh, yeah, that is scary, the two different but, but, like, kids representing uh, humanity, too. I don't remember exactly what they were. Yeah. I think it was, like, yeah, hunger, hunger and, and lust. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something, yeah, and they're creepy. 
And the Jim Carrey one that they he did was Sam. Did you see that one? It's, yeah, it's like that's like my all time yeah. favorite Christmas stories or Christmas Carol. I've seen almost every version of it that I can find. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I love it, but I was like, but that's the only one I ever thought of was like, well yeah, that's a good story. But then I was like, when I decided I was gonna do something about monsters. And I was like, well, I'm going to look up what the Christmas one. And I didn't get all of them because there actually were, there's hundreds of Christmas ghost stories. Like, and Yule, Yule, like, you know, Yule time ghost stories, you know, because before Christmas it was Yule and Winter Solstice. But there's all these ones. But I, so I, I did have like the Christmas carols in there. And it's more like not the whole story. It's uh, kind of a a rundown of what the story is about. So I talk about, you know, Scrooge and all that. And then there's one called Smee. And then the, I think the other is the uh, midnight visitor. And it's these old Victorian ghost stories that, cause I, I didn't want to go too far back. Cause I wanted to kind of show that these ghost stories were done like just a little over a hundred years ago. So it wasn't necessarily like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, this is from, late 1800s early 1900s these ghost stories so they were still doing that in the early 1900s you know believing telling ghost stories at christmas time so i was like well you know so i kind of did a and then i hopefully people then read my little synopsis of the ghost story and be like i want to read the whole thing because it and they are actually very creepy and a lot of them have to do with like dead kids which you know merry christmas you know <laughs> so it's like, you know, like a dead child shows up and then they're like, something was off about Sally. And it's like, oh, wait, Sally, who's that? And then like they see a picture and it turns out, oh, that was Sally. She died like 20 years ago. Horror, horror in a fire at Christmas time, you know. But, you know, so they had these stories. And then as far as the monsters, obviously, like I said, Krampus, because, you know, he's he's thankfully he's had a movie about himself he's had a couple of them actually yeah i like the one that was most recently done it was kind of funny and kind of creepy and scary but it was like uh it was a good time it's done a couple years ago was that the one where they go into like a different world at at, at the end and they realize that nobody can hear them because they're like inside of like a snow globe or something weird like that no no this one is like uh it's a family and oh man who's the guy uh i can't remember the guy's name but he's He's in uh oh there, he's on a show on Apple TV now. That's Is he the guy that has like the bald top of his head and with the hair going around the sides? Uh he's in like a lot oh, of well, comedy that guy's movies. He's in it too, yeah. Yeah, th- yeah that's yeah. the he, same he, one I'm he, thinking of then. Where it's like it's like okay, horror, but it's like kind of has like its yeah. funny parts. Yeah, and then like it's the grandmother tells him about Krampus and they're like, What are you talking about? And then they break the snow globe or whatever, and then yeah. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. Yep. And and then Krampus shows up and starts causing all kinds of crap but uh so then what i did is with this book is um i started di- diving into like the different monsters like the the yule lads from like the norwegian area um which you know they they were the kids of this evil witch giant lady named grile and then she had a husband who isn't as big of a deal and i kind of brush over him because Everyone brushed over him. He's kind of like the n- nothing dad. He was, he was bad news. He wasn't a good dad, you know, and she wasn't a good mom, but she was there and raised the kids to be wicked. He just didn't do anything. The dad was like, I'm not even going to make you bad. I'm not going to even help you. I'm out. <laughs> so he's a deadbeat dad. But, um, 
So I because the Yule Lads, like everyone's all into like you know um, the Elf on the Shelf, and like oh the Elf it does these like you know every night it like moves your stuff or it draws on you or it poops things that look like Hershey kisses, you know it does funny little whimsical things and everyone took it as like wow that's a really cool new neat idea and it's like no nah, it's not new at all you know like you have the yule lads and the difference between elf on the shelf and the yule lads is like the yule lads each had a very specific thing it would do on a specific night so they wouldn't be there the whole time like one night it was going to be one brother who would eat all of your dairy or another would be it eat all your meat some would steal your clothes and some would do all these things and and really what it was is trying to they would tell their kids, hey, such so-and-so's coming tonight. So make sure you put away the cows, you make sure we put the milk in the right place, this that, because if you leave it in the wrong place, it's gonna be gone. And then we have no food or milk. And so their thing was it was a, a more of a frightening of are we gonna survive the winter? And these Yule lads are coming, and if you don't do the right thing, we're screwed, and your whole family's going to die, and it's going to be your fault. And so it's a little bit harsher than the Elf on the Shelf. Like, the Elf on the Shelf is like, don't touch it. You know, but that that's the only rule about the Elf is you're not supposed to touch it. But, like, these were, you know, very specific, you know, don't do certain things. And same with Krampus. He was very much the same way. Like, do you do you had certain things you had to do chore-wise and be respectful. And if you didn't, Krampus came, smacked you around with some branches and shoved you in a sack and took you away. And so, though it was scary, it was also kind of like in that day and age, not that I'm defending parents, you know, say, telling kids about monsters coming to kill them. Uh, but... Different time era, though, because it was like they weren't yeah, trying to sugarcoat things. They were just trying to scare kids into behaving yeah. good because everybody knows that kids, you can try to say, oh, if you don't do this, something bad's going to happen versus if you tell them, if you don't do this, a monster's going to come. The kids will actually listen. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and in their, their that time frame, like also wintertime was a harsh, harsh time. They didn't have ACs and heating units. I mean, they had a fire like the Yule log. That was a... Like people are like, oh yeah, set the Yule light. It's like got this happiness about it, but in reality, the Yule log was important. To that was like a life burning. source. Yeah, is yeah, it, it gave them light. It gave them heat. They could eat with it, you know. And it was a big deal to keep the Yule log burning. And so, like all these different things. And as I researched them, like there are people like you can get the Yule lad figurines. Not, you know, some people are bringing that kind of stuff back, which is cool that they're doing that in the Krampus stuff and uh, the, the Tom tens and the Lutons, which are also very similar to like elf on the shelves. But again, more like kind of meaner. They're, they're all, they're all meaner than like the elf on the shelf. Like uh, they beat you up or slap you around. Some kill you, but you know, it's like just, they're more drastic, but people are bringing them back, but they're bringing them back as like, I've seen the Yule Lad uh, figurines, and they're all like kind of goofy, cutesy, like oh, you know, like you'd like. I hope they show up, but like the original ones, you didn't want them to show up because it was, it was not a good thing. They weren't like we think of them as being tricksters, but when you say trickster nowadays, you're like oh, they did finally, but no, I guess even like Loki, uh, in 
you know, they did sinister things in old folklore. Yeah, he was a trickster. But when they say trickster, a lot of times when you read these myths or these stories about different creatures and they're called tricksters, we think whimsical. And it's like, no, trickster was tricking you to die. They like they tricked you into falling into here or there and you dead. You you ended up dead or gone. And it wasn't a happy tricking. But like like the Christmas ones, like, you know, so I I as I did research on them, I I kind of find tried to find the oldest versions of the and they the different monsters and creatures and what they did and why. And a lot of times there was some that you would see a version of it in France. And all these others were very similar. They almost had very similar names, and they did similar things. So I just went back to the oldest one. So it doesn't have every Christmas monster. So, like, if you're going in here and you're trying to find Black Pete, he's not in there because uh, he's basically Krampus. Like, uh, like Black Pete was, like, he came the day before St. Nicholas. Krampus comes the day before St. Nicholas. So it's all real similar so I went back to the older versions of these creatures and told their story. And if you want to research more and be like, oh, my gosh, this is real similar to this or that, you know, go for it, man. And and my hope is people will read it and maybe even read the different monsters. Like if they get it in December, there's a few that you can almost read a couple a week up into Christmas and learn a little bit of the history behind them and be like, oh, that's, and these ones are a little bit longer than like my uh, Happy Little Monster. So like I gave more than a page for each one because a lot of it was just really interesting to me. So I just expanded it. So, but it's still not an exhaustive one. It's kind of like the highlights of what they did and when. And like I, one thing I'm kind of sad that I left out of, the Krampus story was that like in world war two, the Nazis waged war against Krampus. <laughs> Not a lot of people don't know this, but Hitler didn't like Krampus for whatever reason. And he was forbidden. Like they were not allowed to have Krampus night in, in Germany from 1938 till the end of the war. Like he, for some reason, he did not want that around. And I, I don't he was know heavy why. into the occult. I wonder if he like 100% believed in Krampus and thought that it would Maybe. like bring something bad to his, to, to <laughs> the area or to something else. Like yeah. and there had to have it been could, something it to been, it. May, yeah. Maybe he thought, dude, I deserve to be in the sack. And so I, <laughs> like, I don't know. I have no or idea. Or all the Hitler's youth I, were going to end up in the sack and he didn't want his Hitler's youth taken away. It, it could have been, yeah, but like it, I just as I was researching, I I found that I was like, that's really weird because it's like I'm like from 19, like he it it got banned, like you had no no one celebrated, and then it slowly started coming back after the war back in that area, and now like people over here in America were finally like celebrating it and you know bringing it about, and it and it's fun, it's a fun tradition, like they read about and his story and. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, that was one of the interesting things that, you know, I thought was weird that I was like, of all the things for Hitler to ban Krampus. I okay. Yeah. That's something new. <laughs> I, I haven't that, heard that kind before. Of be up his alley. Like, Hey, this guy kills people too. So, but, no. <laughs> but, uh, but he kills bad people. That's the problem. Like Krampus killed bad people. Well, you say he's going to take his Hitler's youth away, man. That, that's what he was afraid exactly. of. Exactly. That, that I, I think, you know, I think you come up with the best theory of to why he was against it. And there you go. 
He's like, you're not allowed here. I need these young, blonde, beautiful people. <laughs> With that, that's a whole nother episode because I have questions about why he picked blonde-haired, blue-eyed people when he was brown-haired, brown-eyed. I didn't understand that. He was trying to preserve the Nordics. He was actually trying to preserve an alien race. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. But I'd still, like, if I was, I'd be like, I'd, they all have to look goofy like me. You know, this is the perfect race right here. You know, that, but no. I can't have anybody that looks better than me because otherwise <laughs> there's going to be a problem. I, I got to be the most handsome gentleman around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then it ends up, I'm the only gentleman around. Oh, hey, ladies. <laughs> yeah, it's hor- that's horrible. I don't know why I went there. No, it's okay. We, we, we can get into bad jokes on the show. <laughs> Side note, too. <laughs> I don't know if you've researched it or if it's in your book or not, but I know that uh, with the Yule Lads, there's supposed to be a cat that's that's intertwined with them, right? There's yes. like a, the Yule Cat or yeah, something? Well, yeah, it's the Yule Cat, uh, Grail, and the Yule Cat is actually the pet of Grail. I, 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 know, I know I'm probably saying it wrong because I'm not Icelandic, but it, but it, Grail is the mom of the Yule Lads, and her cat is the Yule cat. And like, and, and it was a scary thing. It was, it would stalk you. And it's huge. It's like a huge cat. Like it wasn't like a little tiny little house cat. It was like this scary black cat with fiery eyes. But the funny thing, like if you go back into the story of it, like it's been like, it's bigger now and it's like scarier now. And it always was scary. But one of the ways to keep the Yule cat away from you was to give someone a new like winter outfit and it's like the bizarre like this again it's a survival thing making sure your clothes when you went out in the winter were new and we're gonna keep you warm and it would deter the deter the yule cat for whatever reason it just but if you had and i think this is kind of what it was is like if your clothes were raggedy like if you have a cat and you start messing with strings that are attracted to that so I think if your clothes were raggedy and you went out in the cold, it attracted the Yule cat and then he killed you. And scaring kids into wearing all their winter coats because uh, you know everybody we we're talking about it a little yeah. bit before the show, but you try to tell a kid, oh, you're gonna get sick if you don't wear your coat. They don't give it. They don't give a shit. They're gonna go off and do whatever they're gonna do. But yeah, if you yeah, tell them like, a giant I cat's gonna attack them, they might actually wear their coat. <laughs> yeah, this giant cat's gonna attack you, slice you up, eat you, take you home to its owner. Who she also eats people like the mom ate bad children. Didn't she like boil them in a pot or something? Wasn't that part of the folklore? Yes. Yeah, yeah, as a, yeah. That she made a stew, ch- child stew, and fed it to the Yule lads. You know who? That's how they that. stayed young forever. They were making adrenochrome before adrenochrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Taking it, kids you know, in fear and turning them into a stew. <laughs> yeah, it's what whatever you got to do to survive those harsh winters. You know. <laughs> resort to eating these <laughs> children it's fine it's fine it was part of the culture you can't judge it like, you can't judge this mythical woman and her crazy kids and her weird cat i wonder Don't if th- judge them i wonder if that's one of those things that you can like trace back because i know that like krampus for example it's really hard to trace yeah. back where the true origin of it really is and i mean even christmas is yeah. kind of like that too because it's like you know you hear about it being like a shamanistic holiday uh where you know yeah. the reason why there was the reindeer involved is because they used to there used to be a shaman that would come and give emanita mascara to people to help them like survive the winter like trying to keep their mind optimistic uh so the only way to be able to ingest it without getting sick from the neurotoxin 
in it was if reindeer ate it first and then you drank the reindeer's urine. So then you have yeah. the shaman wearing the red jacket to keep him warm with his reindeer. And that's where that part comes from. And then when it gets into like ornaments, for example, like you would find Emanita mascara under pine trees. So that's what the presents were. That's why there's presents under pine trees. And then you'd put them in the pine trees to dry them out. So that's where ornaments came from. Or you'd put them in socks and then you drive them above your fireplace, which is where stockings came from. Stocking. And then you'd see yeah. elves on mushrooms. That's like the typical folklore with it. So that's why that started getting involved with Christmas. But for me, at least, that's always the one that I resort back to that makes the most sense for me. But I know that like even Christmas, there's 10 different variations of the origin. But that's one of the most fascinating origins I came from because it seems to kind of accompany all the different folklore all in a one place yeah. that kind of makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure like... I have a feeling that there not necessarily was a giant woman. There probably was a crazy woman with these kids, and they probably killed some people. And maybe they're cannibalistic. And it was back in the north. It's it's Icelandic. It's so it's from Norse mythology and story and folklore. And they they did have a lot of like human. Like if you get into it, they did do a lot of human sacrificing type of things uh, uh, at certain times of the year. And I, it probably was involved in, at some point, this weird family. I wonder and if it came, too, it from, just, like, the ice giants of Norse mythology. If it was, like, a mix yeah, of that like with people that were doing weird things in order to stay alive during the winter. Yeah, and so they, you know, just like, hey, stay away from that area because they'll steal the kids and they'll... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You will never see him again. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and I think most folklore, it is something like I don't think people just made up these crazy myths and things just just because. I, I think they they saw something, they dealt with something, and this is what it came with, and, and it could have ended up being like was it that telephone game? As it got told over and over, it gets more and more embellished and becomes crazier and crazier, and to the point that you know. It turns into like perhaps Krampus was <clears throat> a guy like the shaman who came, but maybe he wasn't didn't have as good as intentions. You know, perhaps he like he may have done things they thought he was going to help and he drugged some families and then stole their kids. And so then people feared like, hey, you know, because Krampus wears very similar things to like Santa Claus. He, he wears a red outfit. He wears, you know has a sack, has these things, and he... He's like the anti-Santa. Yeah, yes, yeah, he is. He's very much the anti-Santa, and he comes around the same time, does all, very similar things, and but he, he steals kids instead of giving gifts to them. Yeah. I wonder if uh, that's something that existed before... Christianity was really in that area because it seems like with a lot of like the Christianity concept of things, you kind of have like mm -hmm. both sides to it. So like Santa, St. Yeah. Nicholas was a saint. So then before you have to have the evil thing. And I don't know if you guys have it in your state, but it's at least a thing in Michigan that we have devil's night. And then the following night, they, 
they try to call all saints day. So it's like you have this yeah. like negative positive thing every single time there's like the Christian viewpoint involved. And even if it was something that predated to the predated that, I wonder if it wasn't necessarily something that was so malicious, but then after Christian viewpoints started getting projected into the area and they had the St. Nicholas concept that came into the area, if they had to turn this thing into a demon sounding kind of beast, because I mean, you see that at least with a lot of Native American legends and cultures in stories is that they will take something and then they'll start kind of making it look more goat-like or more because it just is associated with the dark and with demons so i kind of wonder if the same thing happened with krampus that the image that we have now we can't necessarily figure out exactly where it came from but the image that we know of now could have started from christian beliefs being pushed into the area and he may have had a totally different appearance before that happened yeah well i mean that's like interesting because like uh very similar character is black pete that's his name. Uh, and he was, and also kind of does connotations with like Africans, like in the European area at that time, it had some racial connotations, but they, he, cause he was described as having dark skin, but he would did very similar things that Krampus did, except he didn't kill kids. He did. He punished them, but they had a fear of this black Pete guy and he's very similar, like I said, to Krampus. He comes before St. Nicholas, does these things. But then he's in uh, more of the Dutch and France, is Black Pete kind of is in those areas. Whereas I think at that time, like I said, possibly uh, because the French and stuff weren't as much of a threat to the Holy Roman Empire as much as the Norse was they continue to let them use the Black Pete kind of character because oh, he's not really that bad. Whereas the Nordics were more of a, you know, they, you know, they had, they were more of a warrior group. They had a lot of paganistic people. beliefs and things that they, yeah, they tried to pa- yeah, exactly. turn into like a demonized perspective. Yeah. And so that's probably why, because it's like I said, it's a very similar lore story. Krampus is just scarier, looks more evil and he kills more so than Black Pete didn't really kill. He just, you know, punished and gave you horrible things. But it, like, and, and but also Black Pete wasn't as old as Krampus. Like, you know, wasn't as and in Krampus Night, not I guess Krampus not was a celebration that they did before there was Saint Nicholas. So it was almost like they started the Saint Nicholas Day because they already knew Krampus Knot was I think it's December fifth. So they made Saint Nicholas Day December sixth. So kind of similar to Devil's Night and All Saints Day. Yep. You know, like, and even like the modern depiction of Santa wasn't until what the early 1900s when like a bunch of different like stores were trying to market an image of Santa. Like before that, he was just a guy with a beard that would wear like a some kind of like winter coat. But then after that, it turned into the whole chubby Santa with the big red suit and the big beard and everything. So even like our depiction of Santa that everybody knows, they think it's like an ancient image, not ancient, but a really old image of like St. Nicholas, but it's, it's not at all. (laughs) Yeah. I think it it was, uh, what it was the night before Christmas is where they really got that, the view. But even then he was more of a jolly old elf. Like, so he is smaller, but then we kind of made him bigger and bigger. And till he was, cause he's kind of supposed to be like an elf character as well. But then, he became this other thing. 
So see, I mean, even St. Nicholas, when you look at it from like the Christian perspective, uh, I may be wrong on this. Maybe somebody correct me on it, but I believe that St. Nicholas was supposed to be like a protector of children to begin with. So that's kind of where that came to be from. And again, it wasn't necessarily that he like came once a year, gave presents to all these kids or anything. He was just a saint who was a protector of children who ended up getting a holiday and then it got embellished into a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, I know, and like St. Nicholas, I know he, like you said, he protected the kids, but also the idea of him giving gifts, it was, uh, there was the, it, like one of the stories behind him is that there was a family um, and they were poor. And so they didn't have, like back in the day, you had to have a dowry in order to get married. And this family, he only had three daughters. He didn't have any sons. And really, and in that day, that, you know, it would suck for you if you had no sons and only daughters and he was poor. So the, he had these three daughters that were never going to get married. And the only way that his, he would be taken care of is if they got married. So St. Nicholas, uh, at, at night gave money to the family so that they could, their daughters could get married and that, and then the family could be taken care of. So that's kind of his, one of his stories. He has, he has other stories too. But that's one of the stories. That's what they kind of say where he gave gifts is that, where he tried to protect his family, which if he did, cool. I don't know. I wasn't there. So I don't know if he really did that, but that's one of the stories. So I, I know that one. I was like, I was like, like growing up, my mom was really into St. Nicholas Day, which, you know, uh, not many people celebrated. Uh, you know, it's like, but her family always had. So we'd always on December 6th, we'd get little gifts. Uh, you know, like in the, we'd have a little, we'd put a wooden shoe out and, uh, he, we'd come in the morning, there'd be candy in it. Like nothing major is just, we get candy every St. Nicholas day. So I haven't actually heard of that before. I did look forward to that. Yeah. I looked forward to that day. You know, like I'd be the only one in my neighborhood coming in like, where'd you get St. Nicholas gave me candy last night. Like what? Whole shoe full. We get it. (laughs) And they're like, why didn't we get any? It's like, I don't know. He doesn't like you. <laughs> you. You guys suck, I guess. I don't know. Maybe Krampus is coming. But I didn't even know about Krampus at that point. But had I, I would have thrown that out. Well, obviously, Krampus said you didn't get deserve any. And so I was a good boy, which I wasn't. But I still got candy. So I was <laughs> Speaking of that too, even like the negative side of Santa, I wonder where the whole coal concept came from. Like, I, w- I wonder where, like where that was know. placed in folklore, where that popped out of. Because you don't even really hear about it talked about that much anymore. Like, I, I yeah. barely ever hear anybody mutter anything about Santa giving coal anymore. But it, it was definitely a thing for a long time, and I remember hearing that constantly when I was a kid. Yeah, like you're gonna get coal for Christmas. But then, like if you think about it, that wouldn't be that bad a gift. Back in the day, that would have been a present. That would have been warmth. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I. That's that's gonna heat up the house, man. That's I'll take the coal. You know, like I don't need I don't need the Xbox this year. I just need to stay warm. And so, give me some coal. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Put it on my grill. I wonder if that was one of those misconceived things that part of the present he would give you was coal, but once people started deterring away from actually needing some type of heat source in their house other than like their actual AC or their heat unit built into the house, I wonder if then that's when that transitioned into being a bad thing. But before that, it was just part of the presence that he gave you. Yeah, probably. Well, and then I said, then we turned it as bad. And I was like, sucks if you get coal, but it's like back, 
Like my grandparents were like, coal is great. We, we wish for coal. Like I remember my grandma telling me like they, it was exciting when they would get oranges for Christmas. And I was like, what? <laughs> How's that even? That's, I can go to the oranges are right there at the grocery store. What's that? How's that a great gift? That sucks. I'm sorry, grandma. And she's like, no, it was great. We never got oranges except that Christmas. I'm like, man, it's a whole different world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it's during the Great Depression. So I was like, I guess that was, you know, a different, you know, I guess if I lived in that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, oranges were awesome. Especially in the north because there's nowhere anywhere near to grow it. So somebody has to be shipping yeah. that from the south. So like it's especially back in the day, it was way harder to find in the north anything that was even remotely close to like some type of tropical fruit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably like, yeah, I just I haven't I've lived a privileged life. I can get oranges whenever I want. <laughs> and coal. I can go get any coal I want. I can get a whole bag of it to throw in my grill if I want to. <laughs> yeah, at any time. I don't need Santa to bring it. I got my own. Dang it. Uh, just don't, we can't understand. Mm -mm. So, uh, side note, kind of deterring away a little bit from the Christmas stuff. Uh, I know that you said in your books you dive into a lot of uh, not so commonly talked about folklore. Uh, so I, I, it's a regular thing you're talking about on a little bit earlier in the show, but I talk about all the time in the show, this whole concept about preserving folklore through retelling the stories because we're at a time when it's mm -hmm. like, thanks to podcasts, we're starting to bring all these old stories back and keep them all alive that have been yeah. lost for years. So anytime anybody dives into this type of stuff, I always like to have them come on and talk about some of the most obscure, weird stuff that they found uh, just for the sake of keeping folklore alive. Uh, yeah, I mean, one, now what's interesting is like I... I'm in Maryland right now, but I didn't grow up here. Um, I lived in Ohio and then I lived in Florida and then I moved here to Maryland. And one of the things I, I found interesting is like uh, when I moved to the town I'm in, it's right by this place. It's called South Mountain um, and which is about 45 minutes from D.C. But I, I, and I was into the monsters and stuff. And then as I was researching I found out South Mountain is like, like the hell mouth of Maryland, and it, it has the craziest stories surrounding it. Like it, like it has the Snallygaster, it has the Dwayo, it has Snarly Yow, and it has a dude that was known as the Wizard of South Mountain, uh, Michael uh, Ziddle, and uh, and his story is really interesting. It's also kind of sad and tragic. He he was a healer, and very uneducated. This is uh, th for me. This was one of the interesting stories I came across as I was researching. And he, I mean, he died in the late 18, I think 1870 is when he died, but he lived there was uneducated, but he claimed to have this book of magic. And, uh, he said he had, it, he, it was came from the Holy land and was found in the crusades. He had a whole story about it and it was written in Spanish I don't know why, but he said it came from the Holy Land, written in Spanish during the Crusades, why it would be not like Aramaic or Hebrew or something, I don't know. But then he translated it to German, which was his native language. And he would do these, like, hexes uh, for people to help them, um, and people would pay him to do it. And he, he just was very destitute, didn't have a lot of money. So he does, one of the things he had always said is you never – do uh magic 
to simply make money. And so people would give him things, but he would never charge for his his magic that he would do or his healing or whatever he would do. He wouldn't charge, but if people wanted to give him stuff, he would take it, but he never said, you have to do this. So he said, you never do that because it brings bad things. Well, it, it, his life just was really get going worse and worse the older he got. So he translated his magic book into English, and then he sold it. And um, there's only one or two copies of it that still exist, the English version of it. But five years after he did that, he died. And like penniless. And as I say, so it's almost like what he had always said is like, if you try and sell magic, it, it leads to bad things. It'll leave you penniless. And that was his belief. Yeah. And he ended up within five years dead and penniless. He had nothing. And so he went from bad to worse because he did that. But so that's one of the more interesting. Another, the other interesting to me is interesting is the, the Snallygaster Dwayo lore. And the Dwayo is basically like a dog man or a hex wolf. Um, but the, the Snallygaster and Dwayo were bitter enemies. And, and the Snallygaster is this giant, like for those who don't know, it's a, a giant dragon type of thing. It, it, has like the face kind of of a bird, has a beak, but also teeth and only one eye, but it has tentacles. Some people have it where the tentacles are like coming out of its neck. Others said it came out of its mouth. Um, That's always the depiction I've seen is out of the mouth. Yeah. And so like, I I think that'd make it hard to eat, but whatever. It's it's so you can grab stuff. You can put it in your mouth. Yeah, true. Yeah. And you just pull it in. Yeah. But uh, so they were bitter enemies and would fight. And when I heard this, I, I met the uh, lady, uh, her name's Sarah Cooper, and she runs the Snallygaster Museum. Uh, and they have a website, and she's working on getting a building. And I talked to her about it, and she w- showed me these things where farmers would try and get insurance claims for things that would go wrong on their farm. Like if they did something stupid or something and broke part of their barn, instead of being like, "Yeah, hey, I, I ran my you know wagon in the back," they would claim their the Snallygaster and Dwayo fought on their land and destroyed the barn, and would try and get insurance. And she had actual papers of people trying <laughs> to get money for these big attacks, and I was like, "That's that's amazing." That's hilarious. And I don't know if they got the money, but I was still like the fact that they went for it was cool. Um, another interesting aspect of the, like for the snot now here, now people in Jersey will be mad about this. Like everyone always thinks the Jersey devil is the oldest, you know, besides Bigfoot, you know, cause the native Americans talked about Bigfoot and Sasquatches, but the oldest colonial monster they always think is the Jersey devil. But the Snallygaster, actually, they have stories of him that predate the uh, the first story of the Jersey Devil by five years. So just beats it just a little bit, just by a little bit. Just a little, yeah. Yeah, five years older, but still, he's five years older. But anyway, um, so the Snallygaster uh, in the 1900s, um, these three... Uh, they, uh, I'll get into the history. Like the uh, the moonshiners also would live on South Mountain. Their distillers were there. Well, they started telling, like, adding to the lore of the Snallygaster, saying that before the Snallygaster would attack you, 
he would make a whistling noise, like a and that was the same noise that their distilleries would make as they boiled. And so it would keep people away because they'd hear that noise and be like, oh, crap, that's the Snallygaster, you know. And so they would tell the stories of that. Well, in like, I think it's 1909 or around there, uh, three moonshiners disappeared. And people said the Snallygaster killed them. And it became a big deal. It actually got into the newspapers like that this a monster killed the and the, and i've seen the actual newspaper and if you go online you can google it and you can actually find the headlines from i think it's a frederick star um but they people really believe this monster killed these three moonshiners on south mountain and it got so much play in that day that theodore roosevelt heard about it and he was going to go hunt for the snallygaster now some people say he actually ended up coming out here and doing it uh, what I, I, I kind of go with what I, I, as my research has found is that before he came here, they found the bodies of the guys and found their distillery and their distillery had exploded. And that's what it, they died. They died in a distillery explosion. So, which I wish I could say, no, that's not, I guess killed them, but no, they, they, it was their own, but. That's Some another untapped that. movie market is I've said this a few yeah. times on the show, but Teddy Roosevelt cryptid hunter. Cause that guy had a pet yeah. hyena. He had a couple different encounters that he wrote about with like Sasquatch like okay. beings. He went hunting for the Jersey devil. He went hunting for the Snallygaster. Like yeah. where's this movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they need like they, I mean, they, they did like Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter and there's no stories anywhere about him hunting vampires, but Theo, man, he was out there. He did. He wrote about, multiple times of like bigfoot wild man uh snallygaster i i like I said jersey devil he he wrote about all these monsters i think i really think he was a monster hunter he was out there he would have and he is a great character i don't know why and it's sad that robin williams passed away because he would that would have been perfect for that movie <laughs> that would like robin williams as theodore roosevelt hunting monsters they could have been a series of them and Maybe there'll be another actor who can portray Theodore Roosevelt and do it. He's got to have his pet hyena at his side, too. That would just make it that much crazier because it sounds absolutely insane. But back at that time, hyenas were normal pets for people. And I remember he I remember hearing stories about him like, you know, having somebody come into the Oval Office while he had his hyena in there and he would just prank them and just laugh his ass off at them having a panic attack about being in a room with a hyena and then he'd walk in and start petting it and then they'd realize it was his pet. Like, <laughs> that dude was crazy, but in a good way. Like, even just making a movie about his life would be fascinating. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, dude, he was awesome. Like, like the stuff I've read about him I, and, like, I said, he would meet if someone like tapped into the movie idea, that would be another brilliant movie if they did it right. And, and I know that people are afraid to get into like the lore of these things, but you know what? I think people would be willing to forgive if you stretched the lore, twisted it a little, as long as you, you know, kept it, you know, cool and fun. Like I, I'd be more than happy if they changed the look or whatever a little based more. on a true story. Like they tend to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, Blair Witch style, whatever, you know, and just go with it. But, but I think, yeah, Theodore Roosevelt Monster Hunter is like, I, I, I might have to look that up because maybe somebody has written it. You know, I, I wonder know. if there's at least like a comic book out there. Like that should at least be a comic book idea. 
Oh yeah, somebody. It's, it's if not, we should start writing it and then find an artist willing to to draw it. That's always been my, the hardest part for me. That's why I started doing all the uh, artwork on my own. Is like I'd always try. I'd come up with these ideas, start writing it, and go to someone like, "Hey, you want to work?" And like, "Yeah." And then they'd see what I'm doing. They're like, "This is going to be a lot of work to draw. I don't have time for that." <laughs> it's like, okay, sorry. So, which I don't blame them because I know drawing is a, it takes a lot of time. And especially if you're good. See, I got a guy I can hook you up with after the show. He's actually uh, the guy that did my logo for me. Uh, Chris from Conspired right. Theory. I always give him a shout out because he's a, he's a great artist, but he's always happy to take on projects like that. So if you need an artist that would be willing to do it, I can give you Chris's information after we wrap up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, man. Now, see, now you got me excited about coming up with a Theodore Roosevelt Monster Hunter. Like, I think that would be a fun little, like, graphic novel. All three of us got a collab on it, because I made a joke to him a long time ago about that, and he ended up drawing this picture of, like, big, muscular Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) So he's already on the right wavelength for it. (laughs) Perfect. And the one thing I do know is that every time Theodore went hunting, his son went with him. They they always hunted together. So he could be, like, his, like, sidekick, his, his kid going with him hunting these monsters. It'll be like the generic uh, setup where you have the main hero, you have his little side quest partner, and then you have his pet his pet hyena. So it's like the perfect little posse of hunting monsters. You have it's like Indiana Jones but at a hyena. <laughs> I think he also didn't he also have like a pet bald eagle. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, like, and he could have that like almost like a falconer, like, but it's a bald eagle. And he, it just rides on the back exactly. of the hyena whenever he's not using yeah, it, and like, it goes and checks the land before they go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's kind of patriotic, you know. Just have it. We just need to find find out the name of the hyena because he had to have a name. He's got it. it. We'll find it. We'll find it and do it. I'm all about it now. You, you see, I you I'm writing down these ideas you're giving me, and I'm like, we're gonna do it. Dude, I, I did horror films, and the hyena's name was Bill. By the way, I just looked it up for anybody that was, was curious. Bill. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, nice. <laughs> what, a, what a more patriotic Bill? name than Bill. That is awesome. <laughs> Bill the hyena. Dang, that's awesome. Then we just got to find out which one of his sons. I know one of his sons always was the one that went hunting. Like when you see him on safari, there's always this guy. And it's his son that's with him. But I just told him, and he had more than one son, but it's one son who always, and it's not Teddy Jr. It's uh, one of his, I think, I want to say, gosh. Not sure what his name was. That might be get confu- confusing for the movie. Hopefully, it's not Teddy Jr. because that'd be too confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not Teddy Jr. It's like I almost want to say it's like Kermit or something. It's like Kermit. A, it's like, yeah, like uh, and see now I gotta look it up. Like, what was Teddy's son's name? Fascinating man, but not. He's good at naming animals, but apparently not kids. If if it's yeah, Kermit, <laughs> yeah, not not his kids. Like, well, he didn't know there'd be a frog, so. That's true. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> Teddy Jr. could be that TJ, is, too, so that's it not is, too bad. It, yeah, so that he had Theo Jr., Quentin, Kermit, and Archibald. Those were his kids. But it, it's Kermit. Kermit is the one that always went hunting with him. Like, as I remember when I heard I was like, man, that's an unfortunate name. It's not easy being green or the son of a president. <laughs> so, um, and later did he did he know that uh, he w- that name would be accompanied by green? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's amazing. 
So uh, I guess yeah, kind of diving back into some of the folklore, uh, we were talking about the Snallygaster, and uh, there's yeah. got to be a couple other ones I'm sure that you dug up as far as your area goes. Yeah, I, uh, like, I, like I, I just was like going around figuring like I, I do in in the first book I already showed you old Greeny. Uh, some of the ones that I, I thought were interesting were um, like uh, there's one that's called like the Downy Booger. Like that's literally its name, and it, it's from Alabama, which I guess you know. There you go. But it, it's kind of like a Sasquatch, but it was more like an orangutan-like thing, but because it was orange, it's colored, so and it uh, looked human, but like with long hair. But they called it the Downy Booger, and I don't know why. Uh, another was the Quaggle, which is, and I might be misspelling that, but it's kind of like rocket rick raccoon <laughs> and uh only bigger like so it's like five six feet tall and it had like the head of a raccoon but like kind of humanist human like body i've never heard of this and, one before uh, yeah it's a like let me see i'll file that i think it's in book one uh I, yeah it's in pennsylvania the gawoggle and it, it was in pennsylvania Another one that I think is really cool is uh, uh, that I thought was cool is the I think it's the Kabagan, yeah, Kabagan, and it was off of New Zealand and it was um, spotted by Japanese fishermen and they always seem to find some really cool stuff and that's you know those Japanese fishermen like the Kabagan they also found like what they called uh, the Antarctic Godzilla. Um, but uh, it's because they're the not really end. fishermen. They try to use the title fishermen, yeah. but they're actually the whalers, yeah. and they're going into areas where they're not supposed to be. So of course they're finding the weird yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not supposed to be it. But like the Kabagan was in near uh, New Zealand, and basically uh, Kabagan, I think it, it translates to giant hippo, is like what it means. But it it had it came out of the water, and all they saw was its head. And it had two big red eyes and two big nostrils, and it scared the crap out of them. And the next day, some people in New Zealand near where this thing was spotted found these weird footprints on the sand that were, I think it was like three-toed, like uh, giant, and whatever it was was very heavy because it left a big imprint Um and they couldn't figure out because it didn't like the footprints d were not native to any kind of species they had seen. So, but uh, so they they think it was related to what the Japanese fishermen had seen. And um, so that that was another one I, I thought was really cool. Um, ones that like I'm working on for like the next book that I, I really like. Uh, I have a couple that are interesting looking dudes. Um, it would be uh, the the I'm going to. It's a Russian thing. It's called the Dravak, and it, and again, it's another like kind of twisted thing. It it's folklore in that if you had a, a a kid and you didn't get your child baptized and your child died, um, it would come back at a as a Dravak. And it was like a monstrous, like half human, half animal 
thing and it would just attack and the only way to to stop it was to go baptize so i don't know who was chasing after these monsters and baptizing it but somebody was <laughs> somebody was at least trying to so, <clears throat> exactly yeah so i think that again like uh if you go back to it that folklore comes from russia and it, it's kind of a russian orthodox thing so i think it was probably started by the Ru- russian orthodox church meaning like hey you need to get your kids baptized or it's gonna turn into this you know and but i like to think it's true and that there was a priest running around the woods throwing holy water <laughs> and and you gotta put him under the water you gotta grab him and try to try yeah. to temporarily yeah. drown them <laughs> but then they, then that gets in like i know like there's like theological things where people actually get into base of like how should someone be baptized sprinkled full submersion and like it's like i i would hope with this that you could just sprinkle it because man you'd have to wrestle it and get it in like that'd be trouble well i know at least the original version of baptism was that you'd hold somebody's head underwater until they became unconscious and they would meet god and that was the whole like being reborn being baptized yeah but just another side note as far as like russian folklore goes that stuff is always so off the wall like i remember reading about some russian folklore that it was basically saying don't buy black curtains because this these black curtains will like murder you and like throw you out the window. Like normally the Russians, the Russian stuff is just so obscure. It's just, it's fascinating. Even if it doesn't seem even remotely realistic in some, some stories. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like bizarre. Like what, what people were doing. Another cool, like folklore and it's not necessarily monster. It almost fits under the phantom or ghost. And I, I don't do too many of those because I just, I don't know as much about ghosts as I have a buddy who is big in it. And he actually wrote a book too that I helped him edit, but, uh, it's a called the gray man. And he was in, uh, South Carolina on this Island. And supposedly and it's a little bit different. Like it's kind of like a Banshee, um, where it, he would appear before a major storm or hurricane, and the last time he was spotted was in 2018. But uh, they, this, the, the, the lore is if you see the gray man, one, there's a major storm about to hit your area. But if you see him, it means you and your family and your property are going to be okay. So it's a positive thing then. Yeah, it's a positive. So it's not like the banshee where when you see or hear the banshee, someone in your family is going to die. Um, this is you see the gray man. Okay, there is a bad storm about to hit, but you're going to be okay. So, um, which is another cool like one that I find. And, I, and that's one I found recently. And, and I was just researching because uh, uh, my friend uh, Chip, he who wrote, and he, here's his book. I can show you. It's uh, it's. I helped edit it, so it's called Transcendental Tourist, and uh, he's got volume one, and he's working on volume two, but he was like, I was giving him ideas for places to go, because he actually, what he does, uh, he's kind of like Mr. Ghost Hunter. He he actually goes to these places. He'll spend the night at these places and hang out in them, but he likes to find the history behind the ghost story, so he's been to... And he also kind of likes to debunk, not the ghost story, but the ghost hunters who will go out there and have the big TV shows. It's his own personal vendetta 
of trying to. I don't blame them though, because they they over glorify yeah. a lot of stuff, and they'll deter yeah, away yeah. from the actual folklore and ruin the stories by trying to make something theatrical for it, TV. Well, and that and that that's what he says. Like he went in, like uh, he went to Bobby Mackey's, which uh, is in uh, Kentucky, I think. Yeah, and where like all all the ghost hunting shows have gone to Bobby Mackey's, and they talk about the portal to hell and all these things, and all these bad and like and they talk about fighting ghosts and ghosts attacking and so he went and he he went there at night he hung out there and he i mean he had some experiences i mean he doesn't have like like he said he goes i've had experience i've hear, heard things i've seen things he goes but i don't have the experiences where these things are attacking me like where i get scratched up or right? he goes he goes but one i don't go in and say come on take me on he goes in his mind, he goes, why would you do that? Because you can't see it. Why would you ever provoke something you can't see and defend against? He goes, what is the point of that? Like, he goes, you wouldn't go blindfolded against Mike Tyson and say, come on, hit me, dummy. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he goes, that's the same thing. Going against Mike Tyson blindfolded, you're going to get beat up. Like, why would you do that? So that's his mentality. But he, he was telling me, like, at Bobby, and that's in this book is the Bobby Mackey experience. He said one thing that they always talk about is, like, there's they, they act like it's, it's a big deal that there was this staircase to nowhere and this door and, like, nobody knows what it was. Well, he goes, actually, if you do the research, you find out, one, at one point, that place was a bar for uh, the mafia. And the mob, the staircase took you down to a dungeon and the door that they don't know why it was there, well, it's bricked over now, but behind the bricks was a cell, and that the mafia killed a bunch of people in there. He goes, so he goes, but they he goes to him, he goes, that's really interesting that the mob killed unknown amount of people in this establishment. So there are a lot of people who were murdered there. True ghost but, stories. Like, the ghost shows, yeah, and he goes, but they were like, what's this? Sh- staircase it, nobody knows why it's like yeah no it's easy you can find out exactly why it was there like, <laughs> they're just trying to make it sound it mysterious there. and ominous <laughs> yeah it's like oh staircase to where is it going and in the port and then the hole to hell and it's like yeah it's a, it's an old well like that's what the hole to hell is and but it's not like a well it's kind of like they pulled the water in because they were making illegal like is during bootlegging, so they are making, you know, alcohol. So the it was not a well like where you'd get, you know, is sucking water in from the river, and that's what it was. But he went in and he wrote about it and talked about it. And I, I just sort of kind of helped design it and put it together for him so he could so that that's also if you go on Amazon, you can find his book. And his is really interesting because it's all his like his experiences, but he also tells you the history of these different places so you can hear the stories of what what happened in these establishments and some of the ones that they just completely ignore. Like, oh, what? That that was there? And he's like, yeah. And a couple of them where they say they went to the morgue and the place didn't even have a morgue or, you know. They filmed it elsewhere. And, <laughs> it was off-site. <laughs> yeah, like, we're going to go into the, like, they went to, like, I guess some jail and he went there and they're like, we're going to the morgue now. And they, and then when he, he started researching, like that place never had a morgue. And the reason was across the street was the hospital. So if someone got sick or was dead, they took the bodies to the hospital across the street. They didn't store them in the, in the 
in the jail and the jail never had a morgue or even an infirmary. It was all, they just took them across the street. And, but like, it sounds cooler to say, instead of saying we're going into the basement, we're going down to the morgue. <laughs> so he was just like, all right, there's no morgue. It's all about the ambiance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he would, he would do a great show if he'd ever do it, but he won't. I, I it took me forever to get him to write the book. Like, but he's been on, he's one of the, my, he comes on my podcast all the time. He's going to be on in a few weeks because he just got back from the OK Corral and Tombstone. And he has, he says he has a bunch of stories of things that he saw and experienced. So maybe if I'm lucky, I can get him to pull over onto my side of the show too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will tell him to come, come on your show. He would have, he is a lot of fun. He's hilarious. So and he's really fun and very just good old guy and just really i've known him all my life so i just i I make him do stuff and i'm he's kind of like aaron of the ghost hunting show ghost adventures i i tell him to go do things and he does it i can just have both you guys on you can be his uh his support (laughs) yeah i yeah i'd I'd be happy to yeah i'll 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 tell him to come on and I'll, i'll talk to him about it and then set it up not let you know you just tell us when i'll bring i'll make him come on yeah that'd be awesome yeah, i'd absolutely it. love to set that up side note also yeah. too as far as your books go um i know that amazon they end up taking a lot of huge cut of when people buy people have their books on there yeah. do you guys have like a website or do you guys sell them independently or anything because i always like to push people I, towards that direction instead of the amazon direction because i know it's a little bit better for the author like like well when i when i go to the uh to different events i bring my books into it but normally i, I just Right now, I just do it. I haven't set up my. Uh, I have a website. It's fedorascrt.com, but I haven't set up the shop yet. Like I, because I, I started to, and I didn't like the way it looked. So I'm having a friend of mine kind of help me. So right now, the only way to get the books are on Amazon. But if somebody messages me and says, "Hey, man, can you give me a signed copy?" <clears throat> I'll, 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 I'll get it because I can get them you know, and cheaper from Amazon on my own name. Cause that, like that's the only good thing about Amazon is like when, I mean, there's other good things, but one of the good things about Amazon is if I order it myself, they give it to me at a, a cheaper rate. So as opposed to like, if someone goes on, like I said, if they go on and buy it from Amazon, it's, I think it's like 15 bucks, 15 or $16. And like I said, like I said, I don't get a major cut of that. But I get a pers- you know, I get a small percentage. But if I order myself, it's a little bit cheaper than I could then sell it back at fifteen, and I'd make a little bit more than what I would through Amazon. If that makes any sense. Yeah, so, it's it, you get a little bit of a discount. I, I always try to push people in that direction because yeah. I mean, I always like, like so, to get like, signed so books someone, myself. Yeah, so yeah, so if somebody wants to get a hold of me, like like on Instagram or um, I have a Facebook page or whatever, and send me a message, be like, hey man, I really like your books could you get me a copy and uh sign them or whatever i i'm more than happy to and i'll be like do you want hardcover or soft like because uh happy little monster books all you can do either hardcover or uh paperback the christmas one is just strictly paperback just because uh, i think it's like amazon had a certain amount of pages you had to have in order to be hardback and i didn't meet that criteria with that but I also I was trying to keep it less expensive. I think it's only ten dollars on Amazon 
It's probably better since it's kind of a seasonal book too, than not have it as yeah. expensive and do it a little bit easier, cheaper version because people are only going to yeah, be really so it, checking it out yeah. a certain time of year. Yeah. So like, I, like, so somebody wants to like get a hold of me about that, yeah, I can sign it and get them a copy of the, uh, of it, and it'll it'll be probably cheaper than what they'd get on Amazon. They can just Venmo me or whatever, and we'll figure it out. I'm more than happy to work something out. Like until I get the sh- store up and running on my website, figure it out right. Because the way it, w- way it was looking, at, I just it looked stupid, and I was like, "That's I don't want that up." I refuse. It wasn't. I couldn't get it to be the like color scheme I wanted, or because I'm like I said, I'm visual. So when I got to it, I was just like, ah, no. <laughs> so you want to make the website like, look just as good and professional. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, like I like every like I I'm real particular like the color scheme like I'm I don't know why but I am so. No, I'm the same way. To be honest yeah. with you, like it, it makes a huge difference to have the store look not thrown together, but like professional and really fluid looking like it, it makes a huge difference even as far as book sales go because everybody's always scared of like scam websites so like the more professionally you make your page look the better off it is and the more you'll probably sell yeah, off exactly. it anyways yeah yeah and like like you went like that and that's kind of what it was like the website kind of looked janky to me or like the the, the store part did the rest of the website looks great to me and i, I like it and but i kind of i have a friend who helped me like get it because i i did all again I'm real particular, so I did all the art on it, but then he helped me lay it out right, so like when things would move in and do stuff, it looked better than just pink, pink, pink. It like he had, he added like dissolves and stuff, so it would look cool. And I was like, all right, so, and that's kind of what I wanted this, the store to do, and we we're I just have an issue with that, so. So uh, I guess before we start wrapping it up, which I'd absolutely love to have you back on again, because this has been a great conversation and I feel like there's a lot more we can dive into. Uh, I always like to leave with uh, words of wisdom. So if there's any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what might it be? Well, I I think what mine is that something that I've always said, there, there are people who like to just observe and there's people who like to do. And I happen to be both. And I think that in our world, we should strive to do both, observe and do. So when you see something, check it out. Kind of like you were saying earlier, you're like an introvert, extrovert, be both. So when you're out there looking at the world and like I go out on South Mountain all the time, I've still never found Snagaster, but I like to research it. And then go explore it and see if I can find anything. So don't just sit at home researching. Go try and find it as well. No, I definitely agree with that. That's a great message, actually, because I feel like with a lot of podcasters, it's all research, but not really anything like really getting out and really seeing much. And I mean, just with like most things, like people don't like the idea of being neutral or being in the middle, but more often than not, that's usually like the best spot to get a full perspective of everything is that you don't want to be somebody that just couch researches. You don't want to be somebody that specifically that only just goes out and researches because then you're not really understanding it from both angles. It's kind of like you're talking about the paranormal investigators. The ones that just are going out and doing with no research are the ones that are going into these places without knowing any of the backstory of the building, not knowing anything about it. They're just basically going in blind. Then the other side, you can research stuff all day and have this whole idea of what the world is made up in your mind. But unless you actually practically see it, you're never really, it's not going to, it's not going to settle with you correctly. So it's, you want to be in the middle to understand things. Do you want to be able to observe 
and you want to be able to do. And that's honestly some great words of wisdom. Yeah. Well, thank that. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> so, uh, also with yeah. that, if anybody wants to, I know you mentioned that they're on Amazon, but if anybody wants to get a hold of you for any reason, uh, they want to possibly share some folklore stories with you, or they want to keep tabs on your work, oh, yeah. uh, where can everybody come and find you on the internet? Um, I, well, my Instagram is probably the easiest and you can't, I like, if people message me, I respond as quickly as I can. And it is, and it's badly that I did it this way, but, uh, my Instagram account is G underscore fedora, like the hat F E D O R a underscore crypto C R Y P T O. So if you look for G fedora crypto on Instagram, from there, you, it, you can like then find like I have like the link to my website uh, as well as uh, you can go from there to like the Facebook page and so on. It's all like right there. But my mistake is I should have said G Fedora cryptid and not crypto because I get cryptocurrency messages ask about cryptocurrency. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you don't want my advice on that. <laughs> it will end badly for you because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Invest so, it all in GameStop. <laughs> yeah, GameStop now, now, now. Do it. And then, you know, there is one GameStop left in my town. I found it the other day. It was really exciting. So I went into it. Comparatively with like 15 years ago that they had them basically zigzagging on each other going down the street that it was like you could see a GameStop from a GameStop then you could see the next GameStop from that GameStop and it was just this continuous chain. GameStop was like the Starbucks of gaming. Yep. They're (laughs) everywhere. And like, but it was exciting because I drove, I was going somewhere with my son and we both were like, is that a GameStop? (laughs) Stores are turning into cryptids. (laughs) Yeah, so we like, exactly. So we had a take some pictures of it. they all turned out blurry though but, um, <laughs> so, uh, it's kind of like the elusive uh, best buy or not best buy the elusive yeah. uh, blockbuster if you find one of those yeah. of course those pictures are going to be blurry <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that'd be funny if somebody just started taking pictures and like like you said the cryptid stores of america you know kmart radio shack <laughs> to- yeah toys r us you know but that would be that'd be awesome. That'd be a great calendar. And they're all just blurry photos. And then you have a little hidden cryptid in the background, like hiding in the store, like wearing a manager jacket. <laughs> a Bigfoot. He's in the back. That's where he's oh, been this whole back. time. He's been hiding inside Toys R Us. Because you can't find the Toys R Us and he's the manager. So he never gets to leave yeah, anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's busy. He's busy. He doesn't have time for these guys hitting the trees and yelling. <laughs> I don't have time for that. I'm at Toys R Us now. I'm it's civilized. The giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So yeah. I, I appreciate you making the time to come on today, man. It's been a great conversation, a lot of fun. I'm glad that we got to dive into some of the Christmas stuff, considering uh, you know the the time of year that it is. And I had no idea that yeah. we were even going to be able to get into that before we started. So that was awesome. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And remember, folks, Christmas used to be scarier. Than Halloween. I know everybody's all about Halloween, but Christmas was scarier. And it's winter solstice is like right there. And so got all kinds of weird stuff going on. So everything the turns into death the for the rest of the year. Death is thin then. Mm-hmm. It's even thinner than at Halloween. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So yeah. 
but yeah, but thank you for having me. This has been a blast. And I definitely want to come back on and I'll, I'll talk to my buddy chip and say, dude, you got to come on with me and we're going to talk ghosts. Cause we actually, he and I actually do have a story from Gettysburg where we did together. Cause I'm not really the ghost hunting guy, but I went with him to Gettysburg and, and I did have an experience and it kind of also made me like, yeah, I'm never going to do ghost hunting again. Cause it was freaky. <laughs> we'll have to make like, sure that we uh, save that one for yeah. when you come on with him. Yeah. We'll uh, give him a little I, I teaser. Will, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Come back and hear about my ghost experience. Cause I was almost going to say to tell the story, but I feel like we, we should leave him on a cliffhanger. No, no, no. I actually have two ghost stories and I'll save them. So next time I'm on, I'll tell you my two ghost stories. Looking forward to it, man. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me again. And I need to have you come on my show sometime soon. And we'll uh, babble about monsters and stuff. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to that, too. Cool, man. Well, thank you. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, and if you guys give the show a five-star review, I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out. And uh, re- don't forget to report your encounters to the Open Minds Media Encounter Report email, which is OMMEncounterReports at Outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form for that, and that will go directly to my email. And if you want to get a hold of me for any other reason whatsoever, you guys can email me at outlook.com or go to the link tree. And there is also a submission form for that too. Two separate submission forms. So make sure you guys go to the correct one that you guys are uh, intending to go, intending to be looking for. And you guys can also get a hold of me, of course, through social media. You guys can do so through Instagram, which is the one I'm the most active on, or Facebook. Of course, that's also definitely a viable option too. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available in the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.